Okay. Yeah. I think I'm recording now. Stay safe, stay sane. We're still in lockdown here in Ireland, but we are allowed to travel within two kilometres of our homes for exercise or to get essential supplies. In this episode, we decided to take our recording equipment out to see how people are getting through all this and if they're staying sane. My producer, Pat Hannan, ventured out with his Freddie Mercury mic stand so as to be at a safe distance while recording. Pat is part of a group who swim in the sea every day off Bray Seafront, where one of the swimmers, Deirdre Fitzgerald, sets the scene for us. Of course, I think they're all as mad as a bag of hammers. So it's a mile long. It's very stony. Uh, We're listening to the lovely sound of the waves at the moment. The sun is shining on our backs sound of the stones underneath your feet. We've got Bray Head towering down on us and we've got Kalini and Dalky on the other side. What more could you want? We've been very lucky. The weather's been beautiful. There's been high pressure so the sea has been quite rough but very interesting to swim in. Uh, Water temperature at the moment is about 9 degrees so it's getting uh, positively balmy in comparison to what it's like in midwinter. Did he say nine degrees was balmy? David O'Donoghue, another of Pat's swimming group, has been swimming to keep sane for about 12 years now. I started, funnily enough, in 2008 with the last recession. Uh, when the banks crashed, I was a small business and we were finding it very difficult and I found it a great way to keep myself sane. Um, and I met a group of you know, unlikely people every morning down at 7 or 8 o'clock in the morning equally doing it for the, the, their different reasons. We, we do it because it's, it's on our doorstep and we're just very, very fortunate. And is it the routine? Or, I mean, obviously at this stage, I mean, the endorphins or whatever the hit is that people get from swimming. Oh, God, yes, absolutely. This is like a religion now. The last thing you want to do is get stuck beside a sea swimmer at a dinner party or a long bus journey. We're the most boring people in the world. It's like we've just discovered something. This is Stay Safe, Stay Sane, bringing you talk at a safe distance from all over the world. I'm Mark Quinn, and we'll have more from the Bray Swimmers later. Also later, Shay Ryan is 91, from Bray, and full of beans, and we'll be chatting with him about everything and anything. In Belarus, it's business as usual, with no lockdown in place. We'll be talking to Alina Starakovich, who's in Minsk. Hey, Julia, hi, bon dia. Bon dia. <laughs> Julia Rosa works for a record company in Rio de Janeiro. And maybe because I have a few words of Portuguese, I should try and pronounce Rio de Janeiro the way the Brazilians pronounce it. Rio de Janeiro. And of course, there's Portuguese and there's Brazilian Portuguese. So, I mean, what chance have I got? Rio de Janeiro. Rio de Janeiro. Speak a little. Rio de Janeiro. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So anyway, maybe you just, I'm recording now, so if you could just tell me, uh, just introduce yourself, please, where you live and your occupation, please. Yeah, sure. Um, So I'm Julia. (laughs) I'm 22. I live in Rio de Janeiro. In such a vast country, it's difficult to disseminate health and well-being information. And adding to the confusion is Brazil's right-wing president, Jair Bolsonaro, who this week took to the streets in Brasilia to join crowds in protesting at coronavirus lockdown measures. 
In so doing, he flew in the face of the social distancing advice and stay-at-home measures imposed by state governors across Brazil. Julia is understandably worried about her own 80-year-old grandmother, who has tested positive for COVID-19. The country has been in lockdown since March 24th. In the beginning, a lot of people were treating this like it was a vacation. And they weren't staying at home. They were just like, like on the first days of quarantine, the beach was crowded. So many people were just going out and doing things. And I think not everyone has had like the, the real notion about what's happening. So it's it's kind of complicated. Um, it's a lot of things happening in the country at the same time of this. So everything just takes like a whole no takes us to a whole new level, you know. Yeah, and your president seemed to be more interested in the negative effect on business than on protecting the people from this dreadful virus. I mean, is that a fair thing for me to say? Yeah, you're totally right. Um, he has done some, um, made some statements about this, and he's really um, worried about like the economy and i i get where he's coming from but i just think that he's gonna like try to save um an economical crisis and just gonna cause like a health public health crisis you know i think people are really sad about what's happening like we have uh here what we call panelas which is when people bang on their pants like frying pans when the president is making a statement so there's been one nearly every day. They do this like in a protest to when he's talking, you know, because <laughs> most people don't agree with him. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I can see that a lot of people aren't happy with what's happening, at least where I live, like on my street. People really wanting the president and the government to help them and maybe feeling discouraged, you know. So it's it's causing like a political conflict here as well. People are in their houses and they're kind of um, going against him. And then there's another side that's in favor of him. So it's just like a whole big mess. And are the government forthcoming with information about the, the perils of this uh, virus? I think so. Um, I know that uh, our public health system, they um, actually made an app about coronavirus. So a lot of people downloaded that and it has like instructions and how you can um, stay safe. Um, but the problem is Brazil is a huge country. So information doesn't really um, spread equally. And there are a lot of people who still don't don't understand it, don't know what's happening, don't know how, what they should do. Yeah, it's difficult, of course. I mean, I think you've got 210 million people or something, a staggering amount of people. Uh, just getting back to your grandmother and those that are in the health system, I mean, how good is the health system in Brazil? We have a, a great um, public health service, but it's not really prepared to cope with the amount of numbers that are predicted to, to come. So the the private health system is kind is would be better, um, but not everyone can afford it. At the moment, I think they're doing good. Okay, and the image we also have of of uh, Brazil is a great amount of poor people in, in the country. Yeah, 
presumably they will be at the bottom of the food chain when it comes to being supported by the health system. Is that fair comment? Yeah, it is. And I think the main worry was when it started um, going into the communities, um, like it's what we call the favelas. So because um, then it's like a lot of people in small spaces, like houses with eight people living, small houses with a lot of people living inside and people that can't afford going to a good hospital and have to rely on the uh, on public health and maybe not even having the right information on what they have to do. So it's just a place that can just like multiply the number of cases and deaths. Julia Rosa was speaking to me from Brazil. This is Stay Safe, Stay Sane. Now I thought I'd check in with sprightly Shay Ryan, who at 90 years of age is a resident of my hometown Bray here in Ireland, and is happy obeying the current lockdown rules. I'm cocooned in my own house. And how does that feel? Well, I, I was always a loner. No problem to me, Mark. Okay. Really, no problem at all. I'm a great believer in doing what you're told, and if you do it what you're told, you can't go wrong. So you're putting your trust in the government then? No, in my own intelligent intellect. And what does that tell you about this current situation? It tells me that if I'm foolish enough to go out and I meet somebody that has it and I bring it back to my house and I get sick and I don't recover and I die, that's my fault. <laughs> a practical approach. I'm a very practical man, Mark. I reached the age of 90. I lost my missus two years ago and the loneliness that I have I've shared, I've shared myself in showing to it is just unbearable. Apart from that, everything in the garden is rosy. Okay, so, so how are you managing on a practical level for food and things like that? And tell me, Shay, have you ever experienced anything like this before? No. In, in the 90 years, right, like, I could go back as far as when I was in, in Murdoch's uh, driving a van years ago, and the TB was in full flow, and there was a Dr. Cullen and a Dr. Noel Brown, which was, became a, go- a government minister after oil, and they were the two men in, involved in the TB end of it. And there was an awful lot of people that I knew, even from Bray, there was four fellows that were in, Paddy Murphy, Bernie Sullivan, Christy O'Connor, and Brian Murphy. They all died. They all died. And the extraordinary yeah. third week, there were two girls from, from, from Dundalk. And I, 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 we say this week, I brought they were more like were hurrying radios for the patients in the hospital. And they paid a half a crown a week, two and six, twelve and a half pence per cent. And you'd bring them out on Friday, this Friday, you go back to the fellow on Friday, the person that had heard it the week before was gone dead. They died off as well. Okay. So, like, that's, that's as close as I can come to this. And you lived through, obviously, the Second World War. You probably remember it quite well. You would have been in your teens, I think. My father left us as, as to go to work in the munitions factory in Coventry. Instead, the fellow called John McIntyre and Red Lad Kelly, two, three men, Bray, and none of them never came back to Bray after that. But even though Ireland was neutral in the war, there would have been some sense of <coughs> national fear, I would have thought. Can, was that tangible well, to you as a young fella? No, I was very nervous of anything going wrong. If I was making my way home from school and an airplane was anywhere in the region, I would break my neck to get home into the house as if that would make any difference. But the fact that I wasn't outside listening to the engine, the drone of the engine, I suppose that was, that was a fear I had. Having lived through that, is your sense of what's going on right now, is it much the same? Is it the same kind of... Oh, under- no, no, no. The, no. the danger has to be greater, Mark. The yeah. danger has to be greater. 
the, the, the only way the only way they, they seem to be able, able to see that the light at the end of the tunnel is what they're doing at the present moment making people stay at home but there's no carriers there's nobody carrying the disease anywhere and there's nobody spreading it to anybody else anywhere and anybody that would be ignorant enough to go around the streets and spit at anybody would, I would put them in jail for six months and I wouldn't even have a trial yeah well that's that kind of carry on is just beyond well, people are complying though aren't they in general I think. Oh, very much so I went out at the gate and I still called so I came back in and I pulled up the Venetian blind and the extension to look down the park and I'd never seen the park with so few in it as it was on a Sunday today. That's the People's Park in Bray, yes. People's yeah. Park in Bray, yes. Mm. You must be missing the football on the television though, are you? Oh, like, 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 like a loss of a leg. Yeah, me too. <laughs> anyway, Shay, good to talk to you. You too, Mark. Back to Bray Seafront now and Pat Hannan with his early morning sea swimming group. He's chatting at a safe distance with David O'Donoghue and Deirdre Fitzgerald. So down here by 20 past 7 in the morning and uh, this stage of nearly summer I'm staying in for nearly 25 minutes, which is good. What is it about the sea that kind of can teach us lessons or, 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 you know, set the mood? I don't know if teach us lessons is like too big a topic, but it's pure enjoyment. So that's the way I look at it. Been doing it for 25 years. I like it whether it's cold, it's hot, it's rough, it's calm, so it's pure enjoyment. No matter what the weather is like, you get the same high, you get the same satisfaction, and the sea is never, never bad. It's, it's, it's rough and it's fantastic to swim in, or it's flat and it's brilliant to swim in, you can kind of do more, you know, better swimming in it, but there's always something to give to you. Some people like yoga, some people like meditation, so put the two together and you're getting your yoga in the water. And like we do early morning swims, we do sunrise swims, moonlight swims, rough swims. So it changes all the time and it's good crack. It is. And, and uh, what happens with the team is that uh, you come down, you could be groggy, but there's, everybody steps in together. There's a kind of a team uh, effort to get in. And it's very, that yeah. would be very hard to do as an individual. I definitely think as, think as the individual thing, even though I did go by myself this morning because inadvertently I got up at six o'clock instead of seven o'clock. And I did enjoy it, but it is the group thing and the bit of crack when you're in the water. Now, to stave off COVID-19, the president of Belarus, Alexander Lukashenko, has advised drinking more vodka. While the country's top-flight football league is the only one still playing in Europe and there's no lockdown in place. Hello. Hello, Alina. Good morning. How are you? Alina Starakovic trains teachers to teach English and she lives in Minsk. Despite the lack of lockdown measures in the country and reliable information from the government, Alina and many others of the 10 million population in Belarus are wise to the coronavirus situation and take their own safety precautions. Well, obviously, we, we don't trust the, the, the official information. Nobody would. Um, we, we have our own channels, and thankfully, with the internet around, uh, information spreads uh, very fast. Whether or not it's accurate is another thing, but there's a higher degree of accuracy in, uh, in, the, in the internet channels than we get from the official sources, obviously. Thankfully, the government does allow us to manage our own lives in the way that we feel is safer to ourselves. 
people can stay at home. Uh, we can um, leave our children at home. We don't have to send them to schools or kindergartens. Uh, that that's uh, officially allowed. All we have to do is inform the school that that the child uh, will be absent from school for so long. Um, and many people have moved their uh, work activities to their homes. Nobody's um, nobody's persecuting them for that. So. But this is fascinating, given that um, I think at one stage Belarus was described as Europe's last dictatorship. And yet what's actually happening is that rather than dictate what people should do, they're just saying, well, if you want to do these things, then that's fine. You do that yourselves if you want to self-isolate and so on. Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah, we, we are free human beings, despite the, despite the common belief. Um, Belarusians are, are an intelligent nation. Um, and we have our critical thinking, and you know, it's it's it, it will be impossible to control ten million people just by saying you know the virus does not exist in the air just because you can't see it. <laughs> yes, Alina Starakovich was talking to me from Minsk in Belarus. Erfurt is a city in central Germany, and Dagmar Heuer is a doctor who works in a small local surgery, treating patients of all ages. When I called her, we had a chat about how she and her colleagues are dealing with patients presenting with COVID-19. I got just two uh, patients um, now. Um, I send it to the hospital, but they are still alive and they're okay. I think they will be home soon. And what sort of age are those patients? The two are in the hospitals, I think 70 and maybe 60 years old. So the test kits are available widely across Germany, yes? Yes, okay. yes. Because I noticed looking at this, the figures for Germany, they're quite high, but the number of deaths is relatively speaking quite low compared to other countries. And why do you think that is, Dagmar? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm, I'm thinking about it every day. <laughs> Well, it must be. It must be to do with the testing, then. Yeah, it must be. I think we are, the Germans are in good uh, um, conditions because we have a good life. I think we are the, the most people are healthy. We got a lot of hospital beds, and we got a lot. Every everybody can go to a doctor immediately and very easy. And um, are you properly protected yourself? Have you got the proper equipment? We got, but um, not enough. Like every everybody in um, all all over the world, we got not enough. Sometimes I have to wear mask um, longer than one week, and that's not good because they start to smell. And I think we are not very. We have not enough. One of the things that concerns me, or would concern me, if I was in your shoes, is that. Um and I'm curious how you feel, but many doctors have died and nurses and medical people have died as a consequence of this uh, virus. Are you worried? No, I'm not. Um, I think maybe because I can go home after a day of working and have a good sleep. I think the doctors who died, I'm not sure about that, but I think they have to work really, really hard. And it's like with every cold and every flu, if you are sick, you have to stay at home and get sleep and rest and i think the people who, who died maybe they didn't have that uh, that's but i don't know exactly about that you Be know because yeah. i think uh, from what i understand the best defense that human beings have against the coronavirus is their own immune system and if you're tired yes. if you're tired and run down then your immune system is weakened is that right correct yes that's what i think as well and i'm not doing um like uh, special things with my patients at the moment i have no medicine i just have 
I can just talk to them and tell them if you're not feeling good, um, just call us or come here again, but stay at home. That would be the best and have good sleep and good food. And yeah. Mm -hmm. And and are you, are you particularly busy? Are you more busy than you would usually be? Um, not anymore. I, uh, I've been at the beginning of the Corona riots and, and at the moment the people stopped coming to us because they are afraid. Even the people having a different um, medicine problems, they're not coming anymore. And that's actually at the moment in Germany, I think, the bigger problem. That's really interesting um, to see that they stay at home, even if, you, if, if they should see a doctor, they still stay at home, you know. Can you do a good diagnosis over the phone? Um, not really, because um, I need uh, the people in front of me to say, okay, he got a flu or he got a coronavirus, but he's okay. I need to see him. I don't need to touch him, but I need to see him, how he comes into my room. Um, that's mo mostly sh enough to see for a doctor. And, and so what are you looking for when, when you say you need to see him? What, what, did, what do you look for? What symptoms do you yeah, look for? Yeah, I look uh, how he's breathing. Uh, is his breathlessness or is he coming? Can he go upstairs? Or is he um, and the color of his skin and his lips are very important. How, how he talks, if he is orientated or not or something like this. What, what do you mean by the color of the lips? What, what, what do you mean by that? If they are looking like uh, blue, I know there's uh, not enough um, oxygen in his blood, you know. The, the most of them just got a little uh, sniff and a lot of young men I, um, I recognize tell me about uh, losing um, his taste and smell. If they tell me, oh, I've got no taste and smell anymore and just a little uh, sniff, uh, I can tell you, you will be positive, the test will be positive. Okay, and are you treating, because here again, it, this seems to be affecting men more than women, or at least there are more men dying than women anyway. Um, are you treating more men than women? Yes, I think so. The positive tests are more um, more men. We got a, a, some women as well, but more men, yeah. And why do you think that is, Dagmar? Mm, I don't know. Maybe the, the women got it as well, um, but they have um, just, a, even like the men's got a, um, the same little, I, I don't know how to say, I think maybe they got it as well, but they did not go to the doctor because uh, with just the sniff, they don't go, but a man <laughs> does, you know what I mean? I do, yeah. <laughs> We have a joke in Ireland that uh, there's a thing called man flu, which is basically... Yes, this, yes. Yeah, yeah, You've heard this expression. <laughs> okay. No, but, but the scientific... But quite seriously, the scientific uh, evidence is that more men are dying. I mean, that's a fact. Yeah, I don't know yet. But maybe... Um, I think it's because of the lung, maybe because of the, uh, the way to live, the healthy or the unhealthy way to live. Because I heard... The men who died are maybe um, got a lot of uh, diabetes and um, too much weight and unhealthy um, way of life. And maybe the women um, just healthier in this way. But it's just, I don't know. It's just a guess. As it turns out, since that recording, both Dagmar and her husband did feel symptoms of coronavirus, like loss of taste and a dry cough. But thankfully, after testing, they were both given the all clear. Before we go, I'd like to thank Frida Manwheeler of Smashing Times and Alini and Fabrizio Suarez for research and John Ryan, who helped with some of the editing. Also, our guests, Julia Rosa, Alina Starakovich, Shay Ryan, Dagmar Hoyer and swimmers Deirdre Fitzgerald and David O'Donoghue. 
Contact us with your comments or voice recordings on staysafestaysane at gmail.com and you'll find us on Instagram at staysafestaysane and Twitter at staysafeirl. Coming in our next episode, a slightly different approach as we speak with 80-year-old Dubliners legend John Sheehan and hear a few tracks from his debut solo album released recently. My thanks, as always, to producer Pat Hannon, who was ready to greet David as he emerged from his sea swim with a final story that will give hope to us all. <laughs> so you're back out, David. How'd that go? Absolutely beautiful. Lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some workout you had there. It's just fantastic. It's just like, every, it's always different. Like even when it's benign and there's no current in it, it's lovely because you can swim really naturally. Yeah. But when you swim against that, there's a huge current in that pulling you one way or the other. And lovely big rolling waves, so it's fantastic. Yeah. But it's very funny, last night I saw this doddery old lady, like a, a real doddery old lady. I said, she, she shouldn't be, she's supposed to be in, obviously. She was doddery, she was watching me for ages. She, she, she walked for I thought she was going to say something. She stripped off, she got in for a swim. She said, I saw you in the sea yesterday, she said, and I thought it would be grand for me to get in. She must have been 80. She was been 80 and she was like, you know, so much for the pandemic. She was absolutely defying it, just getting in for her swim. And then because she waited for me, I said, she's maybe I should wait for her to get out. But she, she swam better than I could up and down here for, for about 15 minutes. Okay, I'll let you go. All right, Pat, cheers. cheers. Stay safe, stay sane.